Flash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast. Wow, Rick, we are coming up to a very auspicious date, September 12th. I mean, it is barreling down upon us, and we're gonna we're about to close up Season 4 and head into Season 5. I mean, can you believe that we've lasted this long? No, I can't. You know, we, we haven't killed each other. We yeah. <laughs> now, you know, this it began as just kind of a side project. I, I had no idea it would be this fun for me to do. And uh, I, I, I hope people have found it useful. And I know that I've, you know, for me, it's, it's just a wonderful time to talk about your message to try and, I don't know, glean some answers to questions that I'm thinking maybe others might be thinking. Uh, although, I would remind everybody, if you've got questions based on Rick's messages or things that are going on, please email them to info at roswellgrace.com and just let us know, at, forward it to, to Living Your Dash. But anyway, what's been your experience uh, for Living Your Dash? Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed digging deeper into the subject. You know, you can't cover everything in a 30-minute sermon, mm. so it's been fun for me to, to have additional time where we can really get in to discuss well, I would say the so what section. So what difference does it make? Yeah. Uh, how do we apply this uh, to our lives? And just that that practical application. Sometimes in a 30-minute message, you know this. It's yeah. very difficult. You know, you, you have to leave so much out of what you want to communicate. This gives us an opportunity. Yeah. Dig a little deeper, and hopefully our listeners uh, are enjoying it as well. Well, it makes me a much more active participant in your messages. I I know that the Lord is speaking through you. I know this is what the congregation needs to be hearing corporately. And so as I take my own personal sermon notes, which I've done since I was a teenager, but now I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know, here's here's a side question. So many of these questions are gleaned while I'm in the in the in the pew. Yeah. And it works. It yeah. works. So, you know, audience, please, you know, you should, you should be doing the same thing, maybe, you know? I don't know. So anyway, we're, we're down to the last two aspects of leadership. And so Sunday's focus was on the healthy leader. I, I think of that aphorism, you know, well begun is well done. This seems to be Paul's directive to Titus. Am I on the right track there? Well, yeah, I mentioned in the sermon that the, the real purpose of the letter written by Paul to Titus is summarized in verse 5 where he says, Okay, Titus, I've left you in Crete, and really you're there for one purpose. Mm. And that is, and to quote Paul, to put in order what was left unfinished. Right. So, and we talked about it. It's one thing to plant a church. It's another to grow a church. Mm. And you can plant a church, and it, it can grow into an unhealthy church. Yeah. So it takes a lot of work to do and to address those issues that were unfinished. The reason this fits so well into our leadership series is the very first thing Paul tells Titus is you have to select good leaders. Mm. And here's what leaders look like, here are the qualities, and we got into that. But it's, it's, it's the old danger, Sean, that um, the work of growing and maturing any organization, not just a church, but a growing and maturing a family 
into a healthy family mm -hmm. or a business into a healthy or a nonprofit into a healthy nonprofit. Uh, the work is really never done. Yeah. You, you can never rest on your laurels because resting on your laurels is the death of any organization. Yeah. When you think about it, when you stop growing, you start dying. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul, I know that's what Paul is addressing here with Titus is listen, Titus, we got the church started when I was there with you, but um, my friend, the work, there's, there's still work to be done. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I don't know if you remember. Swenson, you know, Dr. Richard Swenson, he talked oh, about... Oh, yeah, very much. And I never really thought about this. I, um, every cell in our body is actually replaced. Isn't that right? I believe so. Like every six months or something like that. So you're literally not the same person that you yeah. <laughs> were six months ago. Yeah. You look the same. Well, but yet you don't look the same. You, When I look at 19-year-old or, or just graduated from... Uh, from seminary, Rick Hale, that early picture, mm -hmm. which folks, I've got to put that up. You've got to see that. Oh, and you don't have to. Oh my goodness! I mean, you could land an airplane on those those the, those the wings on your collar. Anyway, <laughs> when I look at that I, that picture, I I see you, but you're clearly mm -hmm. very different from then. And then a working has been in progress since. How old were you when you came here? Uh, Twenty. Five. 25. Yeah, no, 23. 23. 23 when I moved here. So clearly, you are not the same 23-year-old no. in, inside on the interior. Uh, the way you think, the way that lots of change. And, and I, I think about, well, I wonder if people, sometimes we get stuck. You know, because I like that illustration of the rough-in and the finishing teams. Um, you may want to talk a little bit more about that. Or you can just go to roswellgrace.com, folks, right? But, you know... Are we similar? What is what I mean is that what began my growth as a disciple when I was a teen is not what I'm focusing on now as a man in his mid fifties. Are, are, are there stages of growth that we need to expect? Are there maybe analogies to human physical or emotional development? I don't know. Just thinking. Well, oh, I think so. I think there are stages of growth, and in my experience, Sean, one of the great frustrations that we all experience in life is the just about the time we master one stage, we get bumped to the next stage. <laughs> I mean, it's like the old thing of, you know, you, you spend 18 years learning about math, you go all the way through high school, you finally, you finally figure out algebra. Mm -hmm. And then you graduate from high school and you never use algebra again. <laughs> you know, the minute you master it, you're, you're past it. Because yeah. I do, I think back and I think how, like in, in at the university, how I, I labored over writing a research paper and how many hours I would pour into it and you know had to find the right books and the research and just all the work and so much labor. Sean, I could do I could do a research paper in a half a day now. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's what I do every day. I write, I, I write sermons, I'm studying, I'm and so it's like the minute I figured out how to do a research paper, I graduated. From college yeah so the we have to realize we're continually moving through stages but it can be frustrating but that's also the adventure of life yeah is the minute is a, in my growth process spiritual growth the minute I feel like you know I've really under, I really understand this part then God says great 
Now you're you're ready for the next step. Mm-hmm. You're ready for the next step. God doesn't want us to stay where we are adequate. Yeah. Uh, no, he wants <laughs> he wants us to be lifelong learners. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think about how what's that what's that phrase? I've grown out of something, right? And and I, I think that there's there's definitely things we should grow out of. But I wonder if for the for the disciple, the conscionable disciple, it's really more of things, well, what am I growing into? So, yeah, I don't have quiet times like I used to as a teenager uh, or even as a 30-year-old, but I have grown into a, a rhythm and I have grown into something that, that, that helps me as I pray, as I study the Bible. It's very different from what I used to do, but it is for what I need. And I, and I wonder if I have to keep thinking about, well, there is, a, there is going to be a time when I need to try something else, something else that will help me to continue to grow as I mature. Yeah, to me, that's part of being a lifelong learner. Is yes. What helped me learn when I was 30 may not help me learn and grow at, when I'm 50. Yeah. So I do. I need to try new things. And that's that, to me, is a part of the sanctifying process. You know, the Bible continually says we are to be transformed. We are to be renewed in our minds. What's mm-hmm. he saying? We keep learning. We keep growing. And uh, it never stops. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty neat. It, it helps it me to relax in a way. Yeah. Um, to just let the process, let the, just listen to the Holy Spirit and abide in Jesus. Okay. Paul emphasized that Titus needed to find healthy leaders. Some might say... Well, Paul, everyone knows that we should pick someone that's emotionally and healthy as a leader, but but do we? I mean, in stating the obvious, there's air quotes there, what did he really help to do? Well, uh, it is the old thing, if, if we know that, oh yeah, we need good leaders, then why do we keep electing bad ones? <laughs> it, it's because sometimes we let down our guard, sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes a bad leader can impress us, and we think, oh, he's a really good leader. She's a great leader. Yeah. And then we put them in a leadership position. They don't turn out so well. Yeah. yeah. Now, the good news here, when you read the first chapter, first two chapters of Titus, the Apostle Paul really provides what I call lasting principles of leadership. These are eternal principles. They they, they not only apply... uh, longitudinally through history yeah. you know they're as applicable today as they were 2,000 years ago <clears throat> but they're also applicable broadly if, that, if that's a good way to explain it okay uh, <clears throat> the principles here obviously Paul is helping Titus address leadership needs in a church yeah but when you look at these principles you think <clears throat> you know these would really work for moms and dads yeah in leading their children. Right. You know, these would learn, work for a CEO or a president of a, of a business. That's right. Um, these would work for elected officials in government. So that's what I love about Paul's, there's not only the applicable through history, but so broad that whoever you are, whatever leadership role you find yourself in, you can put these into practice and they will work. Can, can I give you a good example? Please, yeah. Because <clears throat> this applies to you. We are in the, you know, I'm, I'm moving toward retirement. Yeah. Here at Grace, we're in the process of finding a new senior pastor. Uh, if you didn't know it, folks, Sean is on the 
search team. We have four individuals on that search team. Guess what they are doing? They are going through a process called vetting. Mm. Vetting. They're vetting uh, potential candidates for our senior pastor. Now, one thing, if you've ever been on the search team, folks, you will know. You get these resumes and you think, wow, look at this resume. This is a great candidate. But then you start digging and you start vetting and you think, oh, this person isn't quite the person we originally thought. Mm. And so that resume uh, goes into file 13. Yeah. And so I, I, I think what Paul is saying to Titus is, Titus, you got to be very careful in vetting those leaders. And don't just select somebody because they look good or they're popular or they have an outgoing personality. No, no. Titus, they've got to pass this test. And so in chapter 1, he just lays out. They've got to be you know, a, a good family man. They've got to have integrity. They've got to be honest. Yeah. They're not in it for financial gain. And so he gives these qualities. So uh, I'm telling you, these principles, they work. Yes, yes. Well, I, as, as I think about, um, there's, there's kind of an opposition, I think, internally to, to, I think sometimes we think, well, nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be, uh, meet such high ideals. But when we're, we're thinking about what, what else are we going to do? I mean, we, we have to look at ideals that are as best as we can. We should search for them or at least find someone that's striving for them and uh, is, is self-correcting. Sure. And, you know, right here we, with, in our search for the next senior pastor, we say we're not looking for the perfect guy. We're looking for the right guy. Yeah. There's a big difference between perfect and right. Nobody's perfect. So you set those ideals and then you go, okay, if he's not there, is he growing in that direction? But when you look at those, the internal qualities of integrity, of honesty, uh, you can pretty quickly tell if a person has those internal, you know, that internal compass yeah. that's guiding them or if they're, if they're really off track. Right, right. Okay. Why do the, because Paul talked about some of the opposition and some of the, the snags that, that Titus is going to be facing. Why do the opposition and errors that face the first century church have meaning for today? I mean, aren't we more sophisticated and clever than they were in the first century? Well, we may, but uh, bad leaders, I can tell you, are alive and well <laughs> and, and populating planet Earth in homes and business and schools and government in churches. Yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, the details may change. You know, the false teachers that Titus is having to deal with. Right. They had some wacko ideas and, and false teaching uh, that really were counter to good Christian, traditional Christian theology. Yes. So Titus, Titus was dealing with those. So, yeah, 2,000 years later, details may, may change. But the underlying problem and the consequences of bad leadership those, Sean, those don't change. And so when you, when you really look at chapter 1 of Titus and you say, okay, you know, Paul is, is talking about some of the symptoms, but what's the real disease? Here's, here's what has not changed. The real disease of bad leadership has never changed. Yeah. It's ego and it's self-serving. Yeah. It's all, if it's a, with a leader, it's either serve us or service. 
There's the difference. <laughs> yeah. And you can look at a leader and then and now, 2,000 years later, a bad leader is all about what's in it for me. Yeah. What's in it for my ego. You know, is do I get power? Do I get prestige? Do I get prosperity? You know, yeah. it talks about financial gain in Titus uh -huh. 1. But it really comes down to what Jesus talked about all the time with when he was training his 12 leaders. Guys, learn to serve. Yeah. It's not about being served. It is about serving others. Yeah. That is the core, the kind of leader we're looking for. I, I, I thought it was interesting that, that he said in verse 11, you know, they must be silenced. They must be silenced because they are, they are disrupting whole households. And, and, I, and I, I look at that, and I, I look at teachers that it's not about service, it's about serve us, serve me. Mm -hmm. And boy, do they cause a lot of disruptions yeah. in, it, in the household. And bad leaders still do that today. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay, so moving along here. You know, it, it, it seems um, that good or, or, if you want to call them productive or fruitful leaders, they develop in in the incubator of being good leaders or good followers, right? So they were good followers before they became good leaders. Um, Paul had some commands for what it means to be a good follower in a few areas. What, what are those and, and why are why are those principles as important today as they were then? Yeah, I love how practical Paul gets here in, in chapter two because he, he actually addresses five different groups represented in that church. And Sean, these are, these five groups we still have today. Uh, he has commands and instructions for older men, older women, younger men, younger women. Now, in the, in, and then number five for slaves. In that context, it was that were they were the employees we yes. would call it in our culture today. But he he has specific instruction. I mean, for just one example, for the older men, said, "Okay, guys, if you're if you consider yourself in the older man category." You need to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. Practical application. So it's like, okay, Titus, you're, you're the leader in that church. Now you need, to, you need to show respect for the older men, but Titus, you need to teach them. Yeah. Well, what does that imply? Older men, you've got to be teachable. Yeah. You've got to be humble enough to be willing to learn. You've got to be a follower. I, have to, I tell you, Sean, that I have learned, I think, more about being a leader by the times that I was in the following position. Mm. And um, there's been several times, I, you know, going through college, I always worked construction. And so I had a variety, over the years working summer, I always had a variety of supervisors yeah. and foremen. And uh, some were bad. They were horrible. <laughs> they were horrible leaders. It's, yeah. You know, it's like, listen, you do what I tell you because I'm the supervisor. Positional leadership. I'm your boss. You do what I say. Yeah, we did what he said while he was on the job. The minute his pickup drove off, we leaned on our shovels. You know, bad leadership. So, I, you know, I look back on that and I think, okay, why did we all lean on our shovels? Why did we not respect our supervisor and our foreman enough to, to keep working as if he were still there? Yeah. And... Yeah, part of it, obviously, we were lazy. <laughs> you know, we were in it for the paycheck. Right. But I wonder, what would have happened had we had respect for our leader? I've also had opportunity over the years to be a follower where I w in, in 
organizations where I, w- I wasn't the leader. I was on a, a team of people and I had a team leader. Yeah. Good team leaders. Wow, did I learn a lot about leadership by being in the follower chair. Yeah. So I would encourage people, uh, you're, you're going to find yourself at times being a leader, other times you're going to be a follower. When you are a follower, keep learning about leadership because you can learn a great deal by, by watching other the, the leaders you're submitted to, that you are answerable to, and, and say, okay, if I were a leader, I would have done it that way. Or, you know, if I were a leader, I would have done it differently. You can learn a lot yeah. by following good or bad leaders. Just a side note, this might help pe- listeners who may not understand first century um, sociological phenomenon, but why, why did Paul address slaves specifically? Yeah, it, slavery was an accepted norm right. in that culture. Uh, I forget what the, something like 20% or... I, I think it was maybe yeah, much 50. higher. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you're right, Sean. I, if I remember right, 50% of the Roman Empire were slaves. Yeah. And many of the slaves were, they were uh, basically booty from the wars that took place and the Romans would conquer a group of people and they would enslave those people and they would come and uh, many of the slaves uh, rose in in status, many of them uh, were able to to purchase their freedom and get free, but it was the accepted norm in that culture. So. Paul, I think very wisely, he's criticized for this sometimes, but I think very wisely, didn't come in and say, okay, if you're a Christian, set your slaves free. Mm-hmm. Now, he did put the principles in place that would eventually lead to yeah. freedom. <clears throat> you know, it's like, hey, that slave, he's your brother in Christ. He's your, she is your sister in Christ. <laughs> how, do you, how should you treat them? Well, eventually it's like, okay, really, I should not own them. You know, I'll hire them. And so sometimes slaves would be free, yeah. and they would become employees. Yeah, so, is, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, there's a magnificent egalitarianism that I see within the scriptures. And, and I think about how it's bookended, or at least when, when I was reading along, listening to the message, I thought, how interesting that at the very top you have, in a patriarchal system, you've got, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming... Maybe I'm wrong, but he, you know, because he addresses the older men first, all oh, the way down to absolutely. The, the person who really has no rights and has no privileges. But he's saying you're both responsible for your character. You're both responsible for your actions, and uh, and you'll be accountable. Yeah, and don't them. miss the point that by giving slaves uh, these guidelines, he's actually giving value to them. Yes, that he's saying, hey, you're important <laughs> too. You know, older men are important, younger women, everybody's important, and slaves, guess what? It's very important how you believe. So in many ways, he is attaching value to the slaves by giving them, by including them in the instructions of Scripture. I find it kind of interesting even to the fact that when he's talking about pastors, I wonder if some of the, I wonder if there's ever been a pastor that was a slave. I don't know. I just, do not know. Just because, the, you know, that was not one of the, the requirements, that you had to be a free man. Mm-mm. Nope. Just someone that was free inside. Someone that was had definitely had the calling. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I need to move on. I'm so sorry. Sorry, folks. I do that a lot. Anyway, uh, Rick, I, I have to admit, you know, my, my own journey in my 50s has been to discover that my 30s and 40s was covered by a, by a veil of a lot of self-protection and presumption 
I couldn't I couldn't honestly look at myself in the mirror a lot of times and I've had to take some painful looks into the mirror and see that not only am I not there yet I don't know if I have what it takes to finish you know so should most of us maybe take a step back and reframe reframe and ask am I really as mature as I think I am do I really have the humility to admit that I have holes in my spiritual growth. Yeah, Sean, self-awareness is so important. And I think what you're talking about is developing the discipline of being self-aware. Why do we need to be self-aware? Because we all have blind spots. And uh, you just have to admit that. Self-awareness, the good news is self-awareness will lead to humility, and humility will lead to dependence on God. Because you suddenly realize, I don't know everything. Yeah. I don't have my act together. But I want to. And so, uh, just uh, to me, that's the importance of self-awareness. Maybe this is why the Bible elevates humility as one of the supreme virtues. Hmm. When you, re- you cannot read Paul's letters, John's letters, Peter's letter. You can't read those without that theme of humility. Where did they pick that up? the Gospels, Jesus talked about being humble, being humble, yes. have a humble heart, have a humble spirit. And, you know, it's, it's the old thing, one of my famous sayings, you know, when we think we're something on a stick, we're nothing more than a sucker. <laughs> and so, so we, we do, we have to be very self-aware. And the minute you honestly, and to use your analogy, you look in the mirror and you say, okay, I've got to be self-aware enough to admit I've got blind spots. That will immediately drive you to be a humble person. Say, mm. God, I know I've got blind spots. I know I've got a long ways to go. And Sean, even your even your thought of thing, I don't know if I have what it takes to finish. That to me is a quality that says you will finish mm. because you have the humility that leads to what? Dependence on God. God, I'm not gonna make it yeah. to the finish line. I'm Sean, I'm not gonna make it to retirement. It, without God, I'm not yeah. going to make it. There's no way I'm not going to make it. So I have to depend on Him. Amen. So do we all. Yeah, yeah. And I, that kind of reminds me of that Romans 12:3 verse, uh, where He He commands, "Don't think of yourself more highly." And and what what was it that you've said before? That humility is not not thinking of yourself, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking thinking of yourself less. less. Yeah, uh, of of just having that maybe a good would it be right to say maybe having a good dose of healthy i don't know if doubt's the right word but just that as you said the the awareness the yeah. awareness of saying i am not as clever as i think i am i am not as righteous or smart as i think i am i yeah. i need to think of myself yeah it's it's finding to me that Clearly. balance the balance that scripture teaches that you're created in the image of god you have great value but just remember you're not God. There's the balance. You're not yeah. God, but you're created in the image of God. So I like to, I guess what the principle that guides me is I'm never as good as I think I am, but I'm never as bad as I think I am. Mm, that's good. So I have value. I have value to God. And so I have. A, I want to be very self-aware of, uh, yeah, God can use me, but I'm not going to change the world. Yeah. So just having that balance. Right. That's By the way, having that helps you relax. Yeah. You know, uh, the the world is not on my shoulders. I'm not God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a God, and I'm and not I'm him. not it. 
<laughs> hey, last question. What's what's the best way to find, you know, talked about the rough end cruise, the finish cruise. What's the best way to find my own spiritual finish cruise in my life? I'll tell you what I have done is I just look for older, wiser leaders. Oh. And when I find them, I listen to them. I, I, I listen to their podcasts. I read their books. Um, if I have opportunity, I ask them questions. And it, Sean, to me, it's making a commitment, and it's a disciplined, intentional commitment to be a lifelong learner. Mm. The minute you stop learning, you are regressing. You, you've got to keep growing. And w- the best way for me is in the journey of life, who are the people who are out in front of me? They've been there. They've done that. They got the T-shirt. Okay? I want to learn from them. Yeah. I don't, want, I don't have to make all the mistakes by myself. <laughs> I can actually learn from the mistakes of others and say, okay, yeah, that, that leader is a great leader. He made a mistake. He shared his faux pas so that I don't have to make the same faux pas. Yeah. That to me is great. So be a lifelong learner. Find older, wiser leaders. Learn from them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, folks, so glad you joined us today. But as you can tell, the music is going on, and that means it's time for Rick's Leadership Quote of the Week. Okay, Rick, what do you got for us today? Well, we're talking about learning and growing and never you never stop learning and growing. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about a guy named named Albert Einstein. Oh. You would think pretty pretty smart guy. He probably mastered everything and, you know, at some point said, "I've got it all down." Yeah. Here's what Albert Einstein Einstein said about learning and growing. Intellectual growth should commence at birth and only cease at death. Wow. Now, how's that for a reminder? That is, Listen, wow. if Albert Einstein needed to keep growing and, and learning, how much more, Sean, do you and I That's need right. to do the same? Oh, excellent quote. Love that. Well, Rick, what else is going on here, Grace? Well, this Sunday, I wrap up our leadership series with the, the topic of the grace leader. And we're going to talk about how the grace leader in many ways is very counterculture because we live in a performance culture that says if you perform, you get rewarded. And we're going to realize that there are places where that is applicable. You do a good job at work, you get a raise, you get paid, you get a bonus. Yeah, Yeah. there's a place for that. The problem is very often we take that performance model and we bring it into the church and we bring it in even to other organizations, and we use it to uh, to beat up people rather than to learn how to show grace to people. So we're going to talk about how a genuine, authentic leader needs to also develop into a grace leader. Mm. So I'm very excited about that. We Excellent. wrap up that series. Hey, one other thing coming up. People may not be aware, but on Thursday evening, August 31st, we're hosting the Guy Penrod concert. Oh, yeah. Great singer. It'll be a great evening. But it's, uh, it's a benefit for our local historical museum. Mm. And uh, Amy Davis Tejas has been working very hard with her team and yeah. bringing him here. He was here several years ago. People loved him. We packed the house. I understand there are a few, not many, a few tickets remaining. Oh, boy. So uh, you can actually call either the Historical Museum or call Grace Community Church to find out information on getting tickets. So 
Turnout is going to be a great concert. All right. And our number here is 575-623-5438. So, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Rick, thank you for uh, joining us today. And uh, everybody have a great week. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.